Hi, this is Jim Chung, and you're listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. <laughs> No, after the cat, I don't. Like I don't ever want you to deviate from the woohoo ever. <laughs> that was very disturbing. Oh, come on. If you got, I mean, if it's Christmas, I know it's Halloween, but I've done the woo yeah. enough times. So I mean, but it's I'm not gonna do gobble gobble next month. So you know, it's it's much easier. Yeah, and Alan, um, the uh, it's a turkey, it's, right? Um, Jason, did you read Battle with the Animals? Okay. Alright, then we will not I would discuss love that. that. I, 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 oh, no, see, I... Fuck, as soon as I got the code, I DM and let you know the live there. I, I just finished, like I said, I ran all the Yeah, so that's the, that's the end. Right, I'm on. Yes. Because Wolverine in the X-Men 37 was the second was last. Right. Play. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate. Yeah, so... All right, all right. So we'll talk about it next week. Oh, damn. All David, right. we're talking battling boy tonight, right? Did you say penultimate, David? I, did. <laughs> That's a great word. I love that word. You know, my daughter was doing her vocabulary words, and I was uh, helping her. She made little flashcards, and one of them was procure. Ooh. I said that's my one of my favorite words ever. Procure. I love that word. I, I, I procure a lot. Yeah, I said walk into the classroom and say, teacher, I must procure. Procure, I can't even say it, I love it so much, procure a pen, and she will, she will love you forever. Yeah. My dad worked in procurement for uh, about 20 years. See? Mm-hmm. Not only a great job, great word for a great job. Yes. There you go. You he, know was what I just, he was a sourcing manager. Oh, we're going to have to save this until Vince comes back. I what? just realized I'll be reading Transformers Animated. <laughs> ah, because, I, yeah, I bought it I, for Holden. Holden wanted to read Transformers comics this, tonight. That's so I, awesome. Yeah, so I bought that. Yeah. Look at you. Issues one through six. Nice. Yeah, he's like he's really getting in, coming into his own now, and he's uh, he's he's like he, he got. We've had a few like Transformers that he got from like, as a gift, probably like a year ago. But they were uh, whoever got them for him. I think probably a grandparent. They uh, they didn't know to like you know how the the Transformers toys have different levels of difficulty. Yes. So they got him some fairly complex ones. Oh. So he basically oh, wow. he basically gave him the gas face because he was he couldn't figure him out, you know. But, uh, I came home today and he was uh he was like fucking making him transform him left and right. So he's he's got it all figured out now. So he's like all super giddy and we went on and like on Amazon added a bunch of transformers to his wish list. So he's all up in it. So that's he's, sweet. He's bright like his mom. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I love the way the faces look on this. Hey everybody, it's 11 o'clock comics episode 289, and I'm Vince B. Yes, you are, and I'm Christopher Neesman. Booyah. Well, yes, you are. I am David Price. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I am's what I am's, and that's all that I am's. <laughs> he's, he's the Jewish Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You are Jason Wood, everybody. You don't have to stock up on spinach to get great prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles. Wow. Just go to our damn sponsor, DCBService.com. DCBService.com, where you can get massive discounts all across they, the board. Are they, are they wimpy discounts? No. They're, how's, how's, how's your shoulder? Because I think that reach kind of... Uh... They're blue <laughs> 
no, actually, the list is not up yet because the previews, I believe, just came out today. So they haven't they haven't selected their specials. But rest assured, as I always say, the discounts will be plentiful and deep. Yes, thirty-five to seventy-five percent off their favorite uh, items of the month. Oh, the month, if you want to call them. If you're a first-time customer, enter the code the lovely David Price will tell you into the slot and get an extra eight percent off your already massively discounted order. David, what the heck is that code? E O C eight. E O C eight. Three letters and a number get you an extra eight percent off. They do not mind late orders or late order additions, and you get your previews damn cheap, a dollar twelve. Three uh, three letters and a number. That is our. Um that is everybody's login at work. It's it's your initials and a number at the end of it. I know what your login is. Oh, hey, hey, speak. No, of I logins, don't. Get in touch with Windorf because I think he uh, messed up his password. Because no, I, I took care of it. I took care. Okay, of Okay, because he's been wanting to post all all he, week. Yeah, he has been. And uh, thank you to Dave Windorf and everybody because the response to the last episode has been phenomenal. Yes. Really? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, people loved it. Yeah. Yeah. The, almost unanimous, they want him on all the time. Well, I, I, I talked to him a couple days ago, and and he was just over the moon, just loved every second of it, and I don't think that will be his last no, show on, on the show. I He loved talking comics with us. Nice. He always loves talking comics, so it's... Uh, yeah, it it is good to have yeah. someone I can talk to. All right, so Chris, do your thing. All right, let's uh, let's get through uh, through drink roll call. Uh, Vince, why don't you start us off? Because mm-hmm. uh, it is the season, the uh, the Halloween. Mm-hmm. I thought, what the hell? You threw some peeps in a blender, and no, I'm having a bottle of Sam Adams Oktoberfest. You rebel. Nice. Yeah, because I love it so much. Nice. That's good, except it's from Boston, and I hate all things from Boston right now. But that's okay. My bosses are uh, from Boston, so uh, I'm with you. David, how about you? Uh, some uh, Buffalo Trace on the rocks. Nice. Nice. And Vince, thank you for drinking tonight. I, I know. I, I, I tried. It's Halloween. No, I, I do appreciate it. It's Get you a good pumpkin ale. Um, and, and the Buffalo Trace is good. Um, David, we're. I've got... a. A list of some new bourbons that I'm going to share with you, and we're awesome. Gonna, Thank I want to like we need to get like Mario together and and a couple of the other peeps and do like a, a bourbon club. Love it. I think would be fun. So, um, Jason, how about you? I am drinking some Gloria Ferrer Pinot Noir 2009 vintage. Nice. Go, Jason. Grapes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what any of that means except for the Pinot Noir. So I'm assuming where's it from? Uh, it's California. It's California. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very it's nice. quite good. It's quite good. My my wife uh, saw a news report about uh, what a horrible, uh, um, you know, it's been terrible uh, grape crops this year. Like yeah. there's all kinds of disease. So yeah. uh, she was up. like, "I got to go to Gary's and stock up," which is our big uh, like the wine place. <laughs> I'm like, "Hun, uh, I'm like, you realize it, it just this is going to affect the vintages." Like, and if, she's like, "I don't care." Need to stock up. No. It's, not <laughs> like, right. it's not like buying blueberries, you know. Well, it's, fair enough. Let's stock up. Just means that this is not going to be a very good year, or the stuff that is good from this year will be pretty rare. Yep. So, um, but you know all that. Um, speaking of good stuff, uh, I am. You guys remember when I did the beer exchange with Ash? Um, yes, oh, yeah. sure do. From uh, 
from San Francisco. Um, he came in for Riot Fest this year, and the little bugger brought a big, like, six-pack carrier with the foam and the the tape and the everything with these awesome uh awesome bombers of beer and uh and so i'm slowly a lot of them were heavier beers so i'm now getting into them now that it's uh it's cooled down a little bit and this is from uh the brewery which is in orange county california and it's their um rug broad i hope i'm saying that right um it's their um uh shut up uh, it's their dark rye ale, and this might be one of the uh, best beers I've ever had. Wow! And I am not shitting you. It is, uh, it's fucking unbelievable. It's got this amazing level of carbonation, which kind of elevates it into being refreshing. But it's a really deep and multi-layered rye. Not it's it's it's. Just shy of being in the porter range. I mean, it's an ale, but it's a dark rye ale. It is, uh, it is phenomenal. It's not too hoppy. It's just a really nice, easy drinking dark beer with this nice extra kick of carbonation to it that just, uh, that just elevates it. So that stuff from the brewery is awesome. It's, that is, that is an amazing, Brewery and they, and they spell it um, B R U E R Y is, mm. is brewery and uh-huh. uh, yeah so it's fantastic um, so there you go anything nice. is good and this is their this is their dark rye ale which is awesome hey uh, before I forget uh, a couple a couple shout outs before we before we dig into stuff um, totally forgot last week to wish Gordo a happy birthday as oh, we did no we did. Yep, we got tied up in all the all the um, Dave uh, Dave gymnastics and and enjoying having him on and totally spaced out. Uh, wishing Gordo a happy birthday! So happy birthday, uh, Gordo! You 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 good guy and fellow podcaster, you. Uh, and speaking of fellow podcasters, this is more for you guys than me. <laughs> um, but at at my work, we hired a new social media director, really good guy. Uh, and he is a huge wrestling fan. And so we got to talking about it and the subject of podcasts come up and I told him, you know, yeah, I've been podcasting since, you know, since you were a baby. And he's like, well, I podcast too. And, uh, his name is Rich Kreich and he is a, uh, basically co-runs a, uh, website and podcast for wrestling called Voices of Wrestling. So. Take you the vow, got, right? Hmm? Take the vow. Voices of wrestling. He can use that if he wants to. Oh, nice. Uh, but <laughs> since I have little to no interest in wrestling, but I know that <laughs> you three knuckleheads absolutely love it. Uh, he's a really good guy. He's got a great voice. He uh, the, their whole thing is that they uh, um, they call it the Intelligent Wrestling Fans Wrestling Blog. So they are. They're smart guys, and I, I don't know what that means as far as the intelligent wrestling fan, but uh, the science yeah. of wrestling. The science, yeah, it's it's all it's all like silly guys in costumes to me, and that's and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So it's I, comics, which you already talk about on Wednesday nights. There you go. There's all I only have so much room for it in my life, but, <laughs> um, and so all the wrestling. I, I I would love for all of the eleven o'clock 
uh, listeners who are also wrestling fans. I know there are a ton of you out there. Burden, I'm pointing directly uh. as a, as a huge, uh, as a huge wrestling promoter and congratulations on, uh, on your end of season with Colt Cabana. But, uh, yeah, go check out Voices of Wrestling. Go to voicesofwrestling.com and I think that will get you to the, to the podcast. It's a clean looking site, yeah. Take the vibe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's really cool. So, uh, uh, I know, I know that you guys and a lot of our listeners will be interested in it. Sure. sure. I uh, wasted 60 bucks on Hell in a Cell this weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's, it's, when Chris said, I know you guys are wrestling fans, I'm like, well, not if Triple H keeps running it into ground. For reals. I still like him though. Nah, what? I'm, 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 yeah, it's, it's, I'm sucked in, but it, it, it's, it's like at the point now where I'm it's loving hating it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, It'll get better, like everything. Oh, yeah. no, Cyclical, yeah. right? I'm just, I'm just bummed that that uh, that yes. it seems like Dana Bryan, the beard, they, they, that his chance came and went, and it just, it just uh, wasn't meant to be. So that's it'll, it'll come back around. Let's talk about some damn comics. If we, we have to, we sure do. That's oh, why, okay. that's why we're here, right? Nice. Yes. Have we all done our homework? No. I always. Well, do I did, my but homework. I don't think one of us did. <clears throat> I think one of us didn't do it because I, of this. The one, one of us is doing it didn't because I, I guess I'm I'm boycotting for seconds digital distribution methods. I don't know. I I would love to fucking read it. I, it's just not in any format that I care to read it in. Now, what exactly? I was listening to you when you were talking last week, but I'm still a little confused. What exactly? Okay. What exactly it's, it's, is it's the problem? Hard, it's hard to read it. They you know, when you yeah. when when you read something in Comic Zeal or even Comicsology, you have the whole page in front of you. Right, and you said they forced it landscape. Yes, but so it's, it's not. It's true. not one. It's two pages, though. But it's two pages that, at a time. Whether okay, not that's crazy. Yeah. And, it has to be. And, and, your, right. and your choices are are iBooks or Kindle, and even if you, even well, if you, so there are I, other options. Have, but. Yeah, well, not that I found. If you have, um, if you have the Kindle Fire, it's it, you can download a sample and and it's the way it is. Or if you you can read that same sample in the Kindle app on your iPad and it's still, but but also you would think because it's smaller that there there's there's smaller image on the screen, the resolution would be better but it still looks like a jagged choppy pdf that's insane for that for is. the caliber of work that they're presenting that should I'm, not be i'm hoping the quality is because it's a sample but i'm not too optimistic about that hmm that's just plain insane and but you don't want to take the plunge and buy it because what if that is the the final version right right yeah but but by all means go ahead and talk about it if you guys want to well, there's really not a whole lot to spoil. I mean, I was going to say, I, I don't think there's really a lot there plot-wise. I mean, it's 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 oh, basically a a Paul Pope's rendition of 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 a of a story that we've all read twenty times in our lives, or okay. you know, or combinations of stories that we've read. Yeah, but I mean, it's just very familiar. He, he's mm-hmm. again, he's not breaking any new ground story uh, in terms of the, the themes here. He's just you know, telling. Okay, so what what you guys like about it? Aside that, okay, it's cool. um, oh, you know it's going to be good. But I mean, are there? Are I there? liked, uh, I liked everything about it. It is my book of the year. Wow. Yeah. I Whoa. Really? I'm a little torn about. Wow. That. Yeah. I, okay. I, I like everything about it too. Um, I, w- is, I, I just have. It is. It is. First and foremost, it is 
a fun read. True. Yep. It's an easy read. It's all ages. The artwork is Paul Pope, so right. it's already scored a 10 there. Uh, it is relatively unpretentious and straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and above all, I sat down, I was absolutely 100% engrossed in it and entertained. I didn't for one second feel like I wanted to leave the story or stop reading it. And and it's very few comics out there that at some point, especially a graphic novel, where I'll sit down and not have a moment of I'd rather be watching TV or I need to go walk the dogs. Whenever I started re- reading this, I didn't want to put it down because it was page after page, panel after panel, absolutely entertaining. And it's, is it, is it a serious, you know, literary piece of work? Is it Watchmen? No. Was I thoroughly entertained the entire time? And on top of that, it was smart enough that the, all of the, it was, the humor stayed above, above hip level, I guess. You know, it was above, above the neck humor and, and the intelligence is above the neck. It never had to go into immature waters to try and prove how cool it was. It's, it is an all ages read, but it's, it, it's very smart in what it does. And, if you look for it, there are things that it has to say. It it's 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 really good. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty obvious that Paul Pope loves comics, and there that's the thing that got me is not so much the story. The story's fun, and and yeah. it and it, it moves at a nice clip, but there's a sense of wonder in this thing. Mm-hmm. Where the man behind the panels is is actually energized to create these things just because of what it is. Like the the character design is brilliant, and and I I can see him just like drawing these characters in my in my in my head. See him drawing these characters and just like oh, what if I make this guy? I'll make his teeth like jut out and make them all curly and that'll be really cool and then I'll make him have big ears with an earring in it and and it's this huge thing and it eats cars and people are afraid of it but they can't really pronounce its name right and you know it it's fun and the thing I liked well up until the last 30 pages there's never really a sense of extreme danger like in the beginning Sadisto and the dudes are kidnapping mm-hmm. children that is a terrifying thought Yep. But we're never really afraid for the kids because they don't seem to. I mean, if they wanted to, they can really do some nasty harm to these kids, but they don't, you know. And it's just it seems like there's a childlike kind of playfulness to the comic. But then yeah, once but, but, once you hit that parade at the end, that but, that just goes away. Yeah, but then again, you know, I mean, in the first chapter, they they kill. A character that you could very easily have thought was going to be the protagonist for the story. Yeah, you but he needs to die. Well, yeah, yeah, but, he needs. That's but just, he, he dies. Right. So really, how safe are you know? It's there. You have that immediate, immediate sense of you know characters are are not 
um, you know, they're not invincible. And so it was, it was a definite threat level there. But, uh, you know, but it was done in such a way that it's like, yeah, he, you know. Right. And, but it's not it gratuitous. He just went, he just popped, you know, he just gone. And, and we see the, the effects of that with the daughter. But I, as far as book of the year, I, I can't. I can't give it book of the year because I think either, I don't know whose decision it was to publish it at this size, but it's just too damn small. If, if, if it was a little bit, if it was like maybe three or four inches in proportion bigger, I, I, I can't, I mean, you can't really see every, all the art in it. Exactly. I would, I may hold off because I want to see a bigger, more awesome version. Which of makes it. me think there may be some shenanigans going on behind the scenes. Like, let's release a book of a well-respected artist who does phenomenal work and is regarded as the top of that little uh, precipice of the comic book creator's world. And let's see, let's get like they had to gauge the, the reception. But I'm thinking somewhere along the line, you're going to see a deluxe version of this with that chapter that they released uh before what was that they re- pope released a floppy of of uh um haggard west before this i don't have it so i can't tell you what's in oh, it oh really yeah it was released somewhere uh to to uh make way for this thing and i'm thinking you're going to see the super deluxe paul pope's battling boy edition now larger you know that guy just buy it once and you're going to buy it again is is this his first well then okay so then that is is this his first work with first second or is that well if you don't count the the oh, that's what i thought okay yeah. so that was published by first second yeah and, okay because they were saying well wow now, first was that, second was that a standard size comic I believe, um, see, I don't have it, so I can't right. really say, but I okay. believe so. I, or. There wasn't an ash can. No, no, okay. no, I don't think so. Uh, it was called The Death of Haggard West was the, the issue that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. And, um, but the thing is, I mean, the reception for the book has been phenomenal. There's already a prequel in the works. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Pope's not awesome. drawing it. Uh, he's co-writing it with, um, J.T. Petty. And it's going to be drawn by someone called David Rubin. And I did a little bit of a, a Googleish thing on David Rubin, and this guy is incredible. Uh, he did a version it of. Would need to be it, it's, if you're if you're taking over for Paul Pope yeah. on art, then you better. You he better did a version of Beowulf here. that's just incredible. I have the website if anybody wants to uh, visit it. It's. Uh, D-E-T-R-I-P-A-S, detripas, dot blogspot, dot com. Mm-hmm. This guy is just like amazingly talented, super detailed, in the, in the, in the Pope zone. I mean, it's, it, he's not as expressive, I don't think, as, as Pope with the marks. Uh, but, I mean, he's fantastic. So yeah, you have the rise of Aurora West coming out. Uh, Paul's gonna be working on the sequel to this. So, nice. the, I mean, the Battling Boy universe is only going to get bigger. I, I think it's pretty much inevitable we're going to see this in a, a bigger size because I, I really doubt that Pope worked anywhere close to this no. size for the originals. You know, but but something that you say there is why I absolutely adore this book is, you know, the Battling Boy universe in in a relatively small graphic novel. I I forget the page count, but, you know, it's not it's not a really big book. Man, there's some world building. Oh my God, yeah, it's, it's multiple two, world building. Two hundred and one I mean, pages. It, I was gonna say it's over two hundred pages. It's just a you know, decent sized. 
No, it is. But, it's, and, but you, and you, had, you have so much stuff going on and so many different avenues they could go. It is, it, but it's, it feels fleshed out. And what, you know, sometimes you'll read something and it just feels right. It feels natural and there's a very um, easy flow to everything. The pacing is is spot on and just it's a it's an easy read. It's one of the things I feel about Lock and Key is that Lock and Key has always been a very easy read for me, mostly because Joe Hill's a a good writer. Uh, and I I I didn't realize. I guess that's I always knew that Paul Pope was an amazing artist. I didn't realize how good of a storyteller he was from a plotting and and scripting standpoint. Because yeah. if he did all this, man, is it fucking good and it's just it's so easy nothing feels contrived nothing feels forced it it, everything fits into place and from well look at the page design it expands and contracts depending on the 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 the, the narrative like when he goes into battle you'll get four five sometimes three panels per page but when it goes into like Sadisto talking to his goons or the mayor, and you you can I mean there's some pages that have twelve panels on them. The sense of space more. is yeah. is abs- it's it's claustrophobic when it needs to be, and really spacious and open and awe inspiring when it needs to be. And it's he understand he understands comic pacing, he understands comic layout, he understands what to say and what to show it's i mean this is this is textbook comic book storytelling it's you know boom boom it's if there's a double page spread that needs no words on it that is just there for a moment of awe it's there if there's yeah if there's a 12 panel you know grid with with tons of dialogue because that's what the story needs. It's there, and it never feels forced. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, of that, and that's another thing: the 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 awe and the wonder and the reverence that the creator has for his creations is contagious. Uh, you 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 don't draw um, a a spaceship just double page of this little a fraction of of one page of the spaceship and and let that page breathe without having some kind of reverence for that creation. He's like, this is this thing in its own little atmosphere. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you could feel that, that he's drawn this stuff and, and he's just like so happy to be doing this. Right? And and I, I, I can pick, uh, maybe I'm just imparting something into the work that's not there, but if it's not there, Who's to say, I mean, like, it is, as far as I'm concerned, I feel it. So it's there, whether it was intentional or not, right? Um, but where's I going with this? Oh, as, for my money, nobody, no one makes better marks than Paul Pope. No, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, one, no one. No one. I mean, just just the way he works the line. He knows when to let up. He knows when to press. Yeah. You know, lay it on thick. They're ragged. They're 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 not very formal lines at all. I mean, he's not P. Craig Russell. He just scrapes and sweeps and, come, yeah. and 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 splats. And but he every one of his lines is just 
awesome, amazing. Every, I just, everything's there for a reason. That's why I hate him. I, yeah. I hate him so much because uh, yeah, he's the, ridiculous. He is. It's just the, the mark making is just incredible to get away with that. He doesn't even have to be a good storyteller. He could he could be top of the game, just letting somebody else write stories for him. But he's not. He's every. He's like the complete package. You know what I mean? There's not many of those dudes around that can do it this well. Jaime Hernandez. Okay. Yeah, we talked about him. He's one of them. Gilbert is another one. You know, there, it's just a small pool that can do everything. Yeah, but you know, Pope ha- Pope has this, you know, inky, organic feel to his work that that you know, like Jaime Hernandez doesn't always have. That mm-hmm. you know, his is Gilbert much does. more much more controlled. You know. Darwin Cook is much more controlled. Right, and yeah, Terry you, Moore's very controlled as well. And whenever you get into, like, the, the inky, free guy, you know, it's like, you know, Lumiere and um, Nathan Kent. Fox and, you know, it's... And who? Kent. And, and Gabriel Hardman. But I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, from oh, Kent. Kent. I thought yeah. you said Tim. I was like, no, no Bruce, no, Tim, Kent. Bruce Kent. Tim's pretty right. controlled. Matt, 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 Matt <laughs> yeah, Kent. yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Kent. It's but but it's harder to do this though. Uh, I think it's it's harder to to do it and have it come out successfully. It's right. It's hard to yeah. uh, uh, it's hard to jump on the stage with a style like this and make it look effortless. Yes. You, you, you know, you can throw lines down. Half of them may work. Half of them may not. All of Paul Pope's lines work. And, yeah, and that may be a little bit of exaggeration on my part. I mean, the, well, dude, Vince, the dude's I, not I am, flawless, but. I am surprised you haven't, I mean, because I've been letting you talk here. I, I'm surprised you haven't made the obvious uh, um, observation that this is Pope's love letter to Kirby. Of course it is. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just I mean, wish I we had a couple of names for, for David, but maybe for the sake of our of our listeners, we should give a little bit of context here. Just just a, like a little synopsis. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, so it's about a, well, it's, I'm not saying like because again, the premise I think is again nothing grounded. It, this is a, this is it, a book to be you're enjoyed. not going to spoil anything, it's, right? It's, you're not you're, you're not reading this book experience to, to, this book to be surprised by the plot. You're you're reading the book for the journey. So it's basically about the battling boy who is um, a coming of age. Uh, pre, he looks just about shy of preteen, but when he's turning 13, I guess, in this book, uh, so he's just about to hit sort of the, it's, you know, that classic, you know, son, you're a man now thing. And his dad is the functional equivalent of like Orion or Thor or, Thor. you know, what have you, the, you know, the, the, the titular, uh, lord of the, of the realm who's always out doing battles and stuff. And he comes back to see his son off. And when these kids come of age, they're sent to, uh, another planet or place, dimension, where have you, to to fight, to to learn, to earn their keeps, much like you know in the tribal days, you know someone be sent off to make their first kill, to become a man, and um and and battling boy is sent to uh to this place to to uh to, to for his coming of age, and that's really all it comes down to, and then he's sort of thrust into this world that um has like you said <laughs> Aurora West, who's the daughter of of, of Haggard West, who is. Had been the uh, the the world's uh, top hero, and 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 then adventure ensues, uh, and it's it really is in in in, in the two hundred pages, the first chapter of a much longer thing. I mean, we don't get you know much like in the, the say something like you know Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, or any kind of so you 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 come away satisfied with what you've gotten, but it's not by any by any stretch a um, a conclusion, a resolution of 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 the of the story uh, in in most ways. Um, I, I think. Um, 
I'm, I'm kind of exactly where, where you, well, no, I don't really disagree with anything either of you have said, um, even though you may seem like you're a little bit apart here. I, I think you're right, Chris, that this book is absolutely unequivocally gorgeous. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just phenomenally beautiful and the colors I think really work here. I've seen some complaints online of people saying they prefer Pope without his, a little more monochromatic and to let his, his, his ink shine through. And, and I can see do, that. Do, do I like not- them, I like them black and white too. Well, yeah, of course, but do they not see the the color palette for for what it is and why it is? It does work, but yeah, I, mean, I, I think Paul his lines are so powerful that he doesn't really need color. I mean, he look at all the THB, not I, I a, not right, a speck no, of color in that. I'm saying as a writer, this is this is by far the by far the most linear. Um, you know, uh, to, to Chris's earlier point, this is definitely. Oh. A very surface level, straightforward sure. story, yeah. and I think it works for for that reason. I've enjoyed almost all of Pope's works, but you know they are a little more abstract. Sometimes I've come away reading Pope's stuff thinking it's much more about just the, the art, artistic journey, and you know he kind of just uh, the story isn't necessarily all that important. And in this, I, I felt like he was really trying to make the story um, the star, um, you know, and, and just let his work uh, support the story. So, so I give him credit for that. Um, um, but but Vince, I'm with you. I mean, just again, as as someone who uh, you know loves the form of of comics as much as as uh, as the substance of them, I cannot, in good conscience, give this the highest stamp of approval simply because the the form factor is the wrong form factor. You you put this in in the size of like the Razzle trade mm-hmm. paperbacks, yeah. and and it's it's book of the year, I think, or at least certainly well within the running because it almost I feels mean, I, caged. Yeah, it does. I want yeah. to stare at this. It, it was almost feel like you're looking at a stamp sometimes, like you're 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 squinting to make sure you see everything, and it uh, it needs to to be unleashed because it's such powerful art. Um, yeah, but, and but, you know, and and for twenty five bucks, which is the the U.S. cover price on it, I would have I would have gladly paid, you know, thirty thirty five dollars mm-hmm. for what we what I guess we used to call the Marvel oversized. Ones the the larger hardcover versions that, sure. that mm-hmm. yeah it's, yeah I would I would have paid I would have paid thirty thirty five bucks for that and you know would have had a meteor read it's a, there's just something that that tells me that they're that they're trying that book market sized book mm-hmm. for some reason it's you know Pope is a New York guy so you know this is probably you know I, easy to read on the subway. It's it just it's got to be something like that, or they're going to double dip and they're going to come out with the with a larger larger version. Well, I hope something. they do. That that would be very nice. And I, and I, I not even reluctantly, I would just buy it because I need to see this bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you know, artistically, you know, size aside, you know, artistically and and from a storytelling standpoint, you know, it just. It hits so many marks for me. I see, I see so many books out there, so many comics trying to be something, or more importantly, not trying to be something, and and really missing the mark. And I feel like Paul Pope really embraced good storytelling, but did it in a way that you could give this book to anyone and say, you know, there's going to be appeal there for you. There's the, 
there's no shock value to this that is extraneous. I mean, it's just, it's just a good, fun story. Mm-hmm. And, and I love just, the way he draws Battling Boy. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. You know, skinny, you know, not a lot of musculature. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a preteen. Yeah, it's great. But it's like a modern, cause again, it does evoke so much of that, that Kirby storytelling or even obviously the, a little bit of like the, you know, the, the Shazam stuff. And, and it's just nice to see that concept reinvented. Cause we've had a few, I mean, shoot, even Jeff Smith did one. You know, we've had a few takes on modernizing Shazam. And, and not to say that's what Pope was going for here, but, but this would be the way you should do something if you're going to modernize Shazam. Like make the kid look like a modern kid. Don't really? make him. Don't you love that, that he is, um, always doubting himself and not sure of himself. And he's out for the first time in his life. He's outside of his mother and father's you know, protection and, mm-hmm. and their, their watchful eye. And so he is filled with doubt and, and just not sure if he's going to be able to do stuff. But at the same time, He's probably the smartest person in the room because you have all of these politicians that are trying to glom onto him and, and woo him and all these city officials and, and these people who aren't necessarily evil, but they obviously have their, their motives and motivations for, you know, trying to, to make him into something that he's not. But he has this sense of, of conscience that, you know, he is a good, He's a good person, and that's what's going to pull him through this more than, you know, more than his powers, more than his abilities, more than, you know, the, the fact that he's a younger god. He's a good person, and he knows right and wrong. And that's, it kind of kept sitting with me as I, as I read the story, is that he's a very, very likable character, but he's still very true to being a young, you know, a boy, a, a boy and almost a young man. So I love that character. And I thought that, that Paul Pope just nailed everything about his, his questions and, and his, um, you know, uh, his not quite being able to cope with, with how powerful he is and, you know, and, and him kind of needing to call on his dad for, for help, but not wanting to. I, I, I thought everything about the character just sang true to me. Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely worth people's attention. And, yeah. and, uh, and there's two price points, which is nice. So I would say, I mean, I, I bought the hardcover as well, but I would say just given the form factor and, and I agree with Vince that we're likely to see this collected in different forms. If not now, then after they have another, uh, chapter or two of it, you know, out in the universe. Yep. Um, I would probably opt for the, the soft cover for now and, and then, you know, roll back on, on something, you know, later again, if you're planning on just cause I don't know that the, this form factor is, is not itself. I mean, I, I bought the hardcover, so it's, it's fine, but, but I just, you know, if you're just looking to read the story, I would maybe opt for the soft cover for now and then, you know, hope that you get a bigger form factor at some point down the road. I think Sadisto is a great villain. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Not only is he, um, suitably maniacal. I mean, he's, he's a crazy bastard. 
and uh, very theatric and, and dramatic and, you know, uh, with the grand flourishes. And he, he's, he's an appropriate villain as far as his temperament and, and mindset and all that stuff. But visually, there's so much Pope can do with this character because of the tatters and the, the band, the, the wrap around his arms. I mean, he could go crazy, and he does with the, like the flowing, parts of the the top of the costume with the hood and then once he takes his hood off that's awesome you know it's just it's so eerie and creepy and and disturbing and funny all in the you same you said eerie and creepy i did in the same, the same sentence i know uh but no but it's just, he's just he's just a great a great great villain and and i think uh, i'm not, not going to say the book wouldn't have been as successful without a great villain but it sure helps right um, it, he he's uh, as fleshed out as as uh, the kid, which is very smart. And I also think another smart thing is Aurora putting a girl front and center, a, a teen girl. That's just smart. Definitely, that's smart planning for Mister Pope because there are there's now a whole other gender that can identify with this book. Mm-hmm. But did it feel forced that like no. here is a here is a female protagonist that you will root for if you are a girl? No, she's a kid. She's, yeah, she's, exactly. Yeah, she's a kid. Exactly. So it made absolute total sense. It never felt that, that. That's what I keep going back to is that nothing ever felt forced in this. Everything just kind of naturally fell into place, and it was yeah, everything was right. I, I hated him with a passion before, and I hate him even more now because he's yeah. so damn good. Yep. Everything Pope puts out is an event to me. I have to have it all, and 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 I almost do. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like Darwin Cook. When Darwin Cook puts something out, you buy it. That's right. Because you know it's going to be good. Pope is one of those. I mean, he's one of those must must buy creators. Yeah, I would agree. I study the shit out of his work, and I still can't replicate it. I can't see uh-huh. it. No. Yeah. But anyway, yes, it's a must buy. I agree. Let's hear from David because he's. Well, I don't. I don't like it when he's like the little mouse. mouse. Well, yeah. He didn't, Read what you guys were talking about. That's all right. You can go. Yeah. What? Oh, really? Yep. There you I, go. I, I did <laughs> ask what you guys all about it. So now, okay. I want to hear you. I want to hear those those tones. Uh. Well, then I won't talk about pretty deadly. Uh, hey, well, come on. <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to get into it now? I mean, since you were on a roll and we're all talking about stuff, I, I think that we should. I think that we should call um, Brandon Graham. We should have no. him <laughs> <laughs> He's had a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did have a week. Yeah. Just yeah. step away from the keyboard. Step yeah. away. That's what I do. I sometimes yeah. you, you know. It's all about the presentation. There, there's a yeah, my the, cousin and, and him of all people too were getting into it for reals. Well, yeah. actually, I should say he was. No, he. Is, yeah. I don't think your cousin it was a one-sided battle. I don't, know, I don't know. that my cousin really even knew that he was going on. <laughs> Um, see, and I didn't even, it, Interesting. I, I had no idea that Pretty Deadly kind of kicked this off because of some jackass retarded retailer somewhere. Yeah, apparently some uh, retailer like ripped it up or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the first issue, but I didn't think it was an abomination to, to dig up, to the medium and, and wish it be banished to the cornfield. It, it's one of those. I gotta read it. It's yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's. I'm missing a lot of context on that. Like maybe you guys are. I, I didn't. I don't see much like you, David. I, I know that there was controversy set off because some retailer ripped it up, but was was the guy ripping it up done in a clearly sexist manner, or was he just ripping the book up because he thought it stunk? I think he ripped it up because he thought it stunk. I, I, for the record, I don't think the book was ever ripped. I think the the original story was rescinded. 
the events were over over dramatized. No, they they yes. showed a picture of the of 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 the book like well, ordered. Then, well, what the hell is Johnson talking about? Because he said later on that uh, we got it wrong. It wasn't really ripped, so now it was ripped. Oh, okay. I don't. I. I don't know. I. No, I don't. I don't either. But I'm just saying, I, I don't think someone should get up in arms that a retailer or someone who actually paid for the book ripped it up. You know what I mean? You bought it. You do whatever the hell you want with it. Exactly. It was. That's okay, not. A, that's was, not a slight. Um, Stephen Leclerc of Comics Inc. in Culver City, California. Right. Um, has, has has apologized, but he he yes he ripped a copy of it. So there you uh, go. In front he of did. Some 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 customers right. said, "What did you think of the book?" And he said, "Do you want to know what I really think about it?" And he took a copy and he ripped it up. And apparently that set off a wildfire. But what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> and the Academy Award goes to it's his comic. In, <laughs> yeah. How did that turn into a? A Brian Wood is a massage. Well, even with the Brian, aside from the Brian, yeah, like how does this turn into like a woman wrote it and a woman drew it? So for him to rip it up, he's obviously oh right, yeah, he hates women, right? That's what I'm getting at, Chris. That's what I'm saying. Like, because my that was my read too. Is like, well, wait a minute, is this? Are they just like calling this dude misogynist because this book happened to be a female created book? Because if that's true, that's totally whack. That like, is. I was thinking, I wanted to make sure I didn't miss something like that. Maybe he ripped it up because he said something about women, and I was like, well, that would be. Stupid. But from what I'm reading here in this article, and this is him issuing an apology through CBR. I mean, he ripped up the book because he didn't like the book. Which again, I, I'm not a fan of defacing literature. Like I, I don't like. I wouldn't choose to do that. But it's well within any person's sure, right to, to do sure. anything they want with a copy of a book that they own. I, I don't. I mean, this is like, like when, um, yeah, or it's like uh, Opeña uh, throwing his original art in a in a fire in his backyard. It's his. He can do that. You may yeah, not. Like uh, it, I mean, people were ripping up like um, I forget. There was a oh um the uh, the one more day. Wasn't they were, there like yeah, a they campaign they for fans they, to rip them up they, and send them back or something? Oh like, boy, had a conniption over the events from Amazing Seven Hundred, and I mean, <laughs> and you had you had the one dude who put a bag that boarded a comic in the toilet. So obviously, he's really worried about damaging that thing. But it's yeah, there are there have been a lot of overreactions, more so lately, I think. Well, thanks to the internet, but I think there have been a lot more uh, known. That's crazy. Um, overreactions than they have in the past. What about the vicious say, rash of microwave DC uh, villain covers? Weren't they microwaving those things for a while just to see what would oh, happen sure. like that? It's, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I will say if if it is a crazy world we're living in where, where this event could somehow devolve into some... It's a bored uh, world. Yeah. To some, you know, uh, condemnation of misogyny or, or, or anti-female sentiment in the industry. Like, that. that's... It, it, it's baffling to me. I mean, to me, that is the classic looking for an issue where there isn't one. Like, I don't... Yes. I, I just don't... And again, I, I will... And, and having seen that fallout, I was a little apprehensive as a to, like to, to really talk about this book because I... Uh, I, I genuinely didn't enjoy it at all. And and uh, and it's rare for me to say that, especially about a new image book. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I just did not care for it on just about every level. Wow. So, um, but I feel, I feel bad about, yeah, I don't want to, like, I'm afraid this is going to start going through the internets and people are going to be like, oh, you just hate women hey, comics. Just there, there is no bad publicity. No, that's um, not true. I totally, you and I have had discussions, I totally disagree with that. Yeah. Well, just uh, for the record, in case anyone's keeping score, David, not all that hot on it. I, yeah, my, my, um, my comments to the guys this afternoon were basically, um, it, it, I, I went in wanting to like it, but it was, it was one of those things where, um, uh, I'm, I'm reading it and it, I said that it, it, it read to me and in a way look, cause I've seen Emma Rios 
better than this, but it, I've it read and looked like a poorly translated chapter from from a heavy metal issue that wasn't all that hot. Hmm. I just I I I, I didn't care for the art or yeah I, I wasn't feeling the art it was a little kind of hard to follow in spots uh the 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 um the you don't have to choose your words carefully because i'm not going to jump on you uh, no uh, I, I, I just it, it, no, it, i don't think he's doing it for that reason i think he doesn't want to uh, you know i mean again it's it's much easier to be kind of things than to not be kind right. of things. right I mean, especially I know at least one of the one of the main creators of this book listens to the show, so I, I don't want to. And 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 I'm I don't want to be dishonest, but I also and, don't want to beat it up. Right. I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of what I get out of a lot of this is is guys, it's it's okay to not like a book, Absolutely. and it's true, and it's and, it, and it's okay to not like a book from a creator that you normally like their work. Oh, definitely. It, what it, I'm saying is, is you know, people I think don't. That, there's a difference it, between not liking a book and ripping it up or spending yeah. 20 minutes calling a piece of shit. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, I, like, I just want to say in this particular case, I had high hopes for the book. Yep. Uh, I didn't, it didn't connect with me. I, um, yeah. I didn't particularly care for the art. Um, I, I did, I didn't think the, the overall palette of the book was pleasing to my eye. And really for me, I just, I, I, I was left wondering what the point of the story was. I, like, I, I couldn't tell you right now, even three or four days after reading it, what, what the, like what I was supposed to get out of it, or what's coming, or what I'm supposed to be excited about. I just that's, just, that's the me. other thing. There's there's nothing. When I got to the end of this, I, I I didn't feel like I felt with Velvet, for example. I I want to read the next issue of Velvet. This we can talk deadly. about that tonight. We can. I I, I just but I, I got to the end of Pretty Deadly, and I'm like, I, I these characters, whether whether it's Johnny, I don't know, tonight, tomorrow, whatever the fuck his name was, the, the dude in the bed and, 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 and crow chick and blind old man. I, I, I felt nothing for these characters and, and I'm going to praise Jordy's color work in a little bit on another book I read, but I just overall words and pictures and, and the way those pictures were presented, it just overall was, was a miss with me. You know, and and this is something you know. I I don't know if if Jason was kind of going in this direction, but it, it, it's hard to be objective all the time. And whenever, especially whenever there is a book that is created by an all female team, that if you if you don't like, it, and I haven't read it, and, you know, I I still need to. But just in general, if you read something that is done by an all female creative team and you don't like it you shouldn't be afraid to say that <laughs> you don't like it now i'm not saying that you should get on youtube and and soak it in kerosene and light right, it exactly and fire and throw it off your back deck but you shouldn't be afraid to say you know what not a good book it's just you know it missed on this point and that point and didn't engage me blah 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 and i think that we're we're dangerously close in the in the comic book community that it's it's a weird line because I know that I know that there are amazingly talented women in in the industry that deserve more recognition than they get. Mm-hmm. That are are you know Jordi Belair who colored the book, right? Yes, yeah. I think that she's one of the best colorists going uh, absolutely in, in comics right now. Uh, you know, and and Emma Rios, what she's done is, I mean, she's mind blowingly good. Um, you know, Kelly Sue. 
I've never been blown away by her work as a writer, you know, but I mean, she's done enough that she's got, you know, she's got a spot, you know, in the, in the industry right now, you know, so I think there are some women that don't get the recognition they deserve. Yeah. But I also don't think that (coughs) from a, a, a critical standpoint that you should get a free pass just because you're a girl. I think you're totally right. And I will say this too. Um, the uh, the No Apologies boys had a discussion uh, sort of tangential to this. It was more about um, uh, the, the the lack of diversity in comics in general, which I actually think is still you know there's there's truth to that, and I think that part of that is um, they were sort of debating why and and you know sort of chicken and egg, and and, and I I chimed in. David was making fun of me today because I was like posting like mad on their Facebook thread today about this, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, they really got me, my, my juices fired up. And usually when that happens from listening to another show, like I, I want to bring it to you guys because I, you know, I, I value your guys' views on this stuff more than anyone. But, but, um, you know, one of the things that I said to them about this is that, you know, I do think there's still a, a lack of diversity in the industry. And part of that is because for a long time, you know, let's be honest, it was, it was an industry created largely by young white men, uh, at a time when, when, when racism and, and sexism very much existed. And for all the reasons we've, you know, beaten to death as an industry, you know, the, the industry is, and the readership has largely gotten older. And, and while certainly there's, there, it's not to say there aren't younger people or people of color or women reading and wanting to create comics. The fact is the majority of people that are in power in comics have remained white men, only they've gotten older. And so it's a little bit of a chicken egg. And, and to really change things, you need, um, they were also talking about the lack of, of diversity in the readership. And I, and I said, well, the other thing you need is, and this is where the catch 22 is people, especially young people are attracted to works, whether it be TV, music, you know, television, uh, movies, comics, books, they're attracted to things they can identify with. And you identification doesn't mean necessarily that they, you know, if, if, if you're a, you know, a 13 year old, Latino kid living in the Bronx that you need or want to read a book about a 13 year old Latino kid in the Bronx. I mean, I'm sure that would be cool too, but you can identify with things lots of ways. Again, uh, battling boy. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. There, there are lots yeah. of ways, but my point is people do, especially young people want to identify often with things that they're, they're consuming. And again, so the industry to change needs to have diverse voices that appeal to diverse audiences. And then again, how do these diverse voices come in? But I did my point, getting back to what we've been discussing, the interesting thing, and I, I made this observation to them is while I think there's still plenty of work to be done, particularly when it comes to, um, you know, getting minority uh, voices in, in comics. Um, I do think that female voices in the medium, while certainly not as diverse or as penetrated as any of us want to see, has improved a lot. And I, I just said to them, I said, look, you know, when we started 11 o'clock, what, six years ago, I remember early on, I don't know if it was a, a listener or a guest, somebody, we got into a discussion about, like, someone said to us, hey, you know, I want to um, have my girlfriend or wife read comics, but, you know, I'd like to get her some female creators, like, who should I get? And we actually had a fairly hard time coming up with more than a handful of, of names to give the person. And then in just typing this post on Facebook today, I rattled off like 40 women right off the top of my head that are making great comics today. And that's awesome. Like we, so I think that, that we're, I'm not saying we're there. So female like, I'm not saying, Oh, the problem is solved, but I do think at least on the, the female front, we are getting great female voices. You know, Fiona Staples, Sarah Pacelli, Kelly Sue, right? Pia Guerra, Jordy, Gil Simone, Nicola Scott, Rachel Deering, you know, on and on and on. Like there's, yeah. there are lots of women, not just, 
making comics now, but, but making important comics, making comics that are selling well, making comics that are well regarded, well reviewed, that look great, that read great. So, you know, we're getting there. It's, it's a slow process, but I do have hope, at least on that front. So, you know, all is not lost. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's a slow it's, road. It's, it's come a long way, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll just kind of go back to my point is that, you know, I, I don't care who writes or draws or edits or colors or letters or whatever a comic. I just want it to be good. And, you know, the industry stuff, you know, I don't know how much fans should get involved mm-hmm. with yeah. the, we need to make sure that there is, you know, X amount of, of female creators and X amount of minority creators. And, you know, that stuff should be on, on the companies to, to do. And, and the quality of the work is what, is what needs to rise to the top. And whoever is, whoever is capable of churning out the best work on the deadlines given, that's who should be doing it. If more of those people are, are, are women, that's great. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. If, if the majority of those people are, you know, you know, whoever, I don't care. Um, you know, I, you know, I think that we need to be, you know, aware of creators, but, you know, I, I, I think that's more on the companies to try and cultivate as open an atmosphere as possible to just get the best talent in as they can. Does that make, yes, no? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, 100%. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be forced to, to read a comic because it's, you know, it's, it's done by, by someone that was given the job because they're, because they're a girl or because they're a minority. But then again, you know, it's, I'm probably the biggest social Democrat in the room. So I, I also, I, yeah, yeah. I also don't want an industry that is, that is, you know, 100% controlled, operated and run by, by white men. You know, it's, you know, I want diversity in, in what? Uh, it's all run by white men. It's very boring. You'd be right, getting exactly. the same stories yeah, over yeah. and over and over. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want diversity. I want diversity in comics, but you know, I think you know to be the least social democrat in the room at the moment. I think that the market will bear that out. I think that the market will um, will channel the you know what you know what the companies are putting out. And I think that we've seen that, you know, Jason said that since we started 11 o'clock that the, the industry's really changed. We had trouble coming up with more than five female creators that were doing, you know, consistent work, you know, five years ago. And now, I mean, you can rattle them off. Is that because people were saying, I want female creators to do my comics or is it because female creators are doing good comics? Well, see, that that's part of the problem. That's why whenever the, the female characters rise to the top, or uh, female creators, when you have an industry pretty much driven by two publishers, both of which are mainstream, the mm-hmm. much, and, be, and because they're driving the industry is because they sell the most books, right? So they determine pretty much the status quo because their clientele are mostly white, middle-aged, middle-income men. So, so when when you're the bulk of your consumers are white, middle-aged, middle-income men, it's tough for a female creator to get to to crack that that click that club, right? But we're seeing it happen because now the market is expanding because now more women are reading comics than ever before. So I'm told, 
mm-hmm. um, more children are reading them. Uh, it's the the industry is starting to diversify, but it's not happening overnight. You know, I mean, for the longest time in the seventies, these books would never sell because then it was exclusively men reading comics. You know, look look at look at the 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 attempts of the publishers to publish love comics after like the 50s. It just didn't work. Nobody wanted it. Right, right, right. You know, and uh Millie the Model didn't work. N- none of that stuff uh even Night Nurse. Whenever you put a female character, it's like <laughs> like the GI Joe Nurse doll didn't sell because boys don't want to play with girl dolls. The the your your clientele for comics for the most part are men. So it's tough, but it's changing. But now I don't think it's changing as quickly as we wanna, we want it to. It should, but it's not. It's not well, Japan, I mean, for God's sake. Well, it 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 will it will happen, but it's kind of like I said, you know, the it's not going to it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be because it's like okay, well, we need you know three out of ten writers have to be female. Yeah, it's that's dangerous. Be because it's going to be because you know four out of ten. Of the writers writing comics are are female, and it's because they're writing really good comics. Right, and, you're right. You know, so it, it it will it will happen on its own as long as companies out there are not averse to to bringing in the best talent. And you know, you said it: more women are reading comics, more um, you know, more people from from more diverse backgrounds are reading comics, and those people will become creators and we may be a half a generation away from seeing you know the the real flood of diversity in creators but it's it's coming man it's changed in the last 10 years more than you could ever have guessed mm-hmm. you're right and so. and full disclosure i did not think very much of the work of kelly sue deconic in the past i mean captain marvel was okay mm-hmm. it was entertaining right. but if it went away i really wouldn't care but uh, I really enjoyed this book. No, my, my, my wife standing here giving me some line of bullshit. Now, what did you say? That more women are admitting to reading comics? <laughs> that they've been reading them all yeah, along? That's it. Could be too. To it now? Yeah. Could be that. <laughs> She's nodding. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I really enjoyed this issue. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought the art was really nice, gritty and dirty, and the color palette was urine-soaked, sweaty, and bleak. Um, uh, not, not to, you know, say anyone who found it difficult to penetrate is inferior in any way, but I didn't see anything about the issue that was confusing to, uh, to me. I mean, could it have been plotted a little better? I don't know. I, I think it worked just fine the, the way it was. I look forward to you explaining future issues to me. No, I mean, the, 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 the one section that i thought could be tweaked a little bit better is you don't really get the sense of why that feather was so important to johnny to get from the the vulture girl and like like when he when he's oh, in, okay and, and another section that was a little confusing to me was when he was trying to give her the silver dollar is i don't know what the hell they were playing I, it, it was just there were some things to, and or when when the other guy, it took me a little bit to realize that he's he's uh, he's well, tapping his own injured shoulder. No, that letting, letting the guy know that you know this is why I can't go with you guys. I'm gonna stay here with the women. He, they were just when he was trying to give her the silver dollar, it was all about getting a feather from her because they need the feather to bind her. That that Alice that came into the, right, the whorehouse. Yes, the, yeah. the, someone maybe the vulture girl's not entirely human. I don't know, but they they need a physical. 
slice of the vulture girl in order to bind her by a spell. Okay. Because when Alice comes in the room, she goes, where's the binder? And she goes in his in his pocket and she pulls out the feather. Now, when, when you call something a binder, it's a, it's a requirement to a spell to complete whatever you're you're trying to do. You need a physical right. piece of, of whatever your target is to, to bind them, right? So they, they, they need to get something on this vulture girl for whatever reason, which is, I, I like the mystery of that part of it. But I, I thought the the whole mythology of of the 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 death face Ginny was really cool. Um, I, I did like her look. Yeah, uh, I mean it's very striking whenever like ghost face killer or whatever that person is that that does the rap thing. Yeah, it's just, but does the rap thing. By the way, were you tweeting today about rap? Was I tweeting about rap? Um, that is the RZA. No, when you tweeted that you can't <laughs> understand what they're saying, and- wasn't me. Yeah, you you put a tweet out and then someone and then no someone no I was listening to some music where the vocals were in Japanese and and no 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 shit someone came into the office and said why are you listening to that you can't understand it oh I see and I was like I don't have to understand it it's great music you know whatever gotcha. but no um what was what I was gonna say here no I I was completely I I like Foxy the blind dude I mean that's a pretty much a an archetype, the the blind uh, marksman. It's I, I enjoyed it. I don't know what else to say. I'm not uh, not going to call foul on it. Uh, I would like to see where That's everything perfect. where everything's going here. I, I like the mysteries. They gave us enough, and I think the back matter that um, that essay that she leads with falling up. I think that thing is masterfully written. I was completely enthralled by that back matter. Where she was talking about her fear for a long time of creating without a net and and the trepidation that goes along with with expressing yourself and that's that was great. See, and and I need to I, I I will go back to to read the back matter. That's it's. I'm glad that it it found an audience. I'm glad that there are because it, it, like we've been saying, it's it's a woman writer, it's a woman artist, it's a woman colorist, and but but also the writer is the wife. Of a male writer, I mean, there, there, there are things. There are a lot of qualifiers that go along with this book when you when you talk about the creators involved, instead of just mm-hmm. talking about the book itself. And I'm I'm glad that 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 Vince latched onto it. I'm I'm glad that you know, I may not find much to dig on with it, but as long as one of uh, Chris hasn't read it yet, but I mean, we know that one a quarter of us. Enjoy it. So I I'm, think the, I'm, the wraparound cover is amazing. I love the cover. I think the cover is really well done. Striking. I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, so we'll. I think it's one of those. Um, I'm going to stick with it. We'll wait to see where it goes. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, David, what did you read that you enjoyed this week? What I read that I enjoyed this week. Uh, I'll get away from image for a second. Um, and it it was also colored. By Jordi Belair, and, and I mentioned, I told you guys off air last week um, that I'm giving something a second oh, chance. Yeah. yeah, see, I, I recently reread or finished, reread most of and finally finished um, the original 1997 98 Quantum and Woody from Acclaim Comics. And, uh, and, and it, you know, Enjoyed the hell out of it, and and I think a lot of the jokes. Unfortunately, it, it suffers from rereading at a later date, all one after the other, because there was a time when it ended with like issue sixteen, 
And then they jumped to about 10 or 11 months later, they jumped to issue 32, which was, which reminded me of the old, um, image stuff when Stormwatch and, and, and they jumped ahead a couple of years. So that then, and so this went into a, um, about a year or so into the future. And then the next month they came back with issue 17. So there were some jokes as I'm rereading the issues that I'm sure would have been funny for people who had to wait that year to, to continue the series. But as I'm reading them one after another, some of, some of the, um, the, the puns felt a little flat, but overall the story was, especially the beginning, just like I remembered it. Um, Eric, and and Woody are uh, are are childhood friends, and uh, I decided to, after reading that, give the Asmus and Fowler, and colored by Jordi Belair, give that current new series a second chance. After Look not at you, really, beast. after not really feeling the first issue, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to just. Be in and out. Let me let, let, Old let me give dog it a second. meet new tricks. There you go. <laughs> so I am. Um, I I highly recommend these first four issues of the of the Asmus Fowler Quantum and Woody. They uh, the first four issues are the are the first arc. It's uh, the fourth issue ends wrapping up the story. There, there are a couple of mysteries. There are a couple of things that are still out there that will keep you coming back. But that first complete story. Um, is something I definitely recommend. They, they, they do tweak some things. Uh, it's not a, it, it's not a retelling. It's not like, uh, James Aspis is, is trying to channel the priest and, and do his version of this. And what's interesting is every issue of the acclaim run starts off with, you know, Quantum and Woody created by Priest and Bright. And for some reason, the new Valiant book, every time it says Quantum and Woody, it says Quantum and Woody created by M.D. Bright. And priest. So, um, I'm not sure what difference is there, but we'll, I'm Alphabetical. curious to see how the, okay. Um, that, that makes perfect sense. I, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the priest and bright mini will, will read when, when, when that comes out. But the, uh, the, this time, Eric and Woody are foster brothers. Um, Eric's father, Derek, um, when when Eric's mother dies, Derek says that uh, your mom always wanted to have a big family. Uh, you're going to um, we're going we're going to adopt. We're, we're going to you're going to have a brother. And um, every time Eric tried to do something to get his father's love, it looked like Dad was spending time with Woody. And we find out he was spending time with Woody because he wanted Woody to be more like Eric. And and and. Derek spent the time with Woody to, to better him, knowing that he already had someone on the right track. There was someone he trusted. He, he didn't need to baby Eric, whereas Woody needed the guidance. But Eric didn't see it that way, so there was some animosity as they were when, when they were younger. And they they split apart for a while, and uh, and they came back for their father's funeral and which is similar to the original series. So like I said, there, there are some, the, the gist is the same. They, they, they were 
estranged, came back, and that's pretty much where the similarities end because from that point after the funeral, um, things change a bit. And uh, I'm curious to see if they're going to be little little nods or um, callbacks to, to the original series. But for now, everything seems to just be its own thing. You don't need to know anything about the original Quantum and Woody to read this. Um, it's a gorgeous-looking book. Uh, I loved mysterious but this i think looks a lot cleaner a lot it's um it it really is just it's a sight to behold i i haven't seen tom look this great in in a while and um and jordy's colors as i'm going through the issues uh especially in the fourth issue where um where there's a big rescue and and the big villain is revealed um and and the villain there it's actually a group um, that's, uh, they are, um, Edison's radical acquisitions and, uh, they all basically, um, pay tribute to Thomas Edison and, and there's, uh, there's some really neat flashbacks as far as how this group came to be. Uh, the, 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 the leader of the group is someone who, um, she, she dabbled in cloning and, and she mastered it. And, uh, and so she's, she's made clones over the years and she keeps basically harvesting the organs from these clones to keep herself alive. She's been around since like the 1920s. Um, there's, uh, the clones have been manipulated so that, um, there's a big Russian dude who, um, who we see early on in the series. He's actually one of her clones and, uh, she, Basically, you know, altered him genetically so that, uh, you know, she could become a he. And, 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 and there are puns about that because Woody, because Quantum has to fight him or her and, and, uh, and he feels bad because he called the Russian a bitch. And, you know, now, now he thinks <laughs> that was just hateful and hurtful. And, um, but there are definitely times where you really get pissed at Woody that there's still the, Woody is kind of the same person where he, he just seems completely selfless and and is only out for himself to hell with whatever happens to anyone else around him um but then he has that moment where you know he he does that that show selfish deed and uh not not to the the best effect but he, he still tried uh but i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where the fifth issue goes because when the fourth issue wraps up there are a few things here and there that, that aren't, um, that they, they need to follow up on, but there are, uh, there are the little things that, that are definitely comic booky where, you know, well, I didn't see a body, so is this the last we see of this person? And, uh, and it, they also kind of continue the, um, the funny sound effects that, that I enjoyed in Archer and Armstrong where, when the, um, when the, when there's a big explosion. Um, someone is actually the sound effect is timed with someone screaming like "fuck you," and it's just mm-hmm. it's it's just it's it's F's and C's. Is one C, a bunch of K's, and then it just ends in a U. There's a character called Betamax because he was big with robotics, but he um he was ahead of his time, and unfortunately, it was like the 80s. So he's That's basically hysterical. yeah, he's basically his name is Betamax. He 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 he's 
some of his components consist of like an old school fax machine. Um, he's just he, he's really basically eighties electronics, and 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 it's one half. He's a cyborg. One half is human. The other half is all his brother laserdisc. <laughs> <laughs> Wait to see. It could happen. Um, there are twins. Uh, there, there, there's uh, Johnny One and Johnny Two. Um, uh, there's just it's there are the. The obstacles that 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 Quantum and Woody have to face in these in these first few issues, um, they are both are both hilarious, uh, somewhat terrifying, um, and it it dawned on me as I was rereading them that there's something that happens in the first two pages of the first issue that don't actually come to pass until the third. And and I, I caught it, and I went back to the first issue, and and there's a person that they're talking to on the newscaster is talking to, and that's somebody that you know Quantum falls on in a third issue, and and it just and it so it it goes back to that. It, so the book rewards you for paying attention. Also, it doesn't. Uh, you really don't feel. You feel like you got your money's worth. You, 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 there's no short shrift here with the the work involved with the art. And the, the the story that Asmus is telling, I, I seriously, I am, I'm extremely happy that I um that I gave it another shot. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. I, I am on board. I will I will count this at, like Archer and Armstrong with with one of my favorite New Valiant books. Hmm. Cool respect. Look at that. You lover I, of I, I, Valiant. I dug it a lot, man. I, I yeah. No, seriously, check this out. You did a turnaround. I like to I see did. that. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Well, I guess it's my turn. Go for it. Yeah. I read a lot of stuff, but I think the one thing that really jumped out at me, and I was extremely pleasantly surprised because, to be honest, I didn't expect a whole lot. Then again, I didn't know uh, the identity of the artist, and I like this guy's work a lot. Uh, it's from IDW. Written by Jim Zub. Illustrated by Andy Suriano. I love Andy's work. Uh, letters by, uh, Sean Lee. And the title character, you're gonna get, you're gonna know exactly who it is when I tell you, was, uh, created by Jendi Tartakovsky. No? Mm-hmm. Samurai Jack. Oh, oh shit. Nice. Yeah. Samurai Jack Ooh. number one came out from IDW. Yeah. And, I got it in my, coming in my pile. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, the setup is, is, is cool and simple. Uh, remember in the cartoon how Aku sent, uh, Samurai Jack, flung him back into the, into the future. Well, up, not back to the future. Flung him into the future, him and his magic sword, just to get rid of the guy because he was being a thorn in his side. And so uh, Jack spends all his time trying to get back to the past to erase Aku and his uh, shenanigans. But, like, how's he going to get back to the past? Well, in in this comic, it's explained to you by uh, a man named Sewell the Seer that uh, early uh, in the creation of the universe, the gods formed this... Uh, magic cosmic artifact called the rope of time and as the the pieces of the rope of time wound ever tighter time would progress the more time progressed the tighter the 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 cords of the rope of time would 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 compress right so aku 
being the, the nasty man that he is, stole the rope of time, mastered time travel, and then he shredded the rope of time. So there are countless strands from this, this magic artifact scattered across creation. And the seer tells uh, Samurai Jack, you can still achieve your goal, but you're going to have to find all of those threads and reweave the, the, the rope of time. That's a cool setup. It just turns out that the first strand, and another thing that's neat, the strands are drawn to each other. So if you find one, it'll lead you to the next one. Nice. And then, you know, the more strands you have, the more powerful the pull to the next strand of, of, of time. So, um, the, the opening page is really neat. It's very cinematic. You, you see a long shot and there's this character way, way, way out in the distance and it says Cartoon Network. And then there's another panel and the character's little bit closer and the it's on the, it's in the desert and the wind is whipping around and you see like the, 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 uh, Landscape is all sandblasted and, 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 and stripped. And then it says, and IDW present. And then you see it closer. And obviously it's Samurai Jack, Samurai Jack. And then his face is like, boom, right in the middle of, of the panel on the bottom. It's a really neat way to do it. It's like he's walking towards you. He's introducing himself. This is who I am, right? So the, the, the first trial that Jack has to go through, um, he gets forced into, uh, gladiatorial combat. He falls down this this trap that this, this uh, spider dude has uh, set, and he's he's uh, in order to leave this place, he's he has to beat all of this this guy's champions. And uh, the guy said, "Well, what do you want to do? Which one do you want to fight first? And there's about five of them, and and Jack is looking at them all, and he's thinking, "You know what? If if I fight these guys one by one, this guy's betting." That, yeah, maybe I'll beat two, maybe I'll beat three, but by the time I get to the fourth and the fifth and the, and the, and the last one, I'll be dog tired and this, they're gonna beat me. So Jack says, you know what? I wanna fight them all at once. And the guy's like, whoa, what are you talking about? So he, he gets into combat with all these guys and it's really cool. The character design is very neat. The, the, the gladiators are all designed, intentionally designed to be reminiscent of characters we already know. Like there's a real short dwarfy kind of scrapper called Headclaw the Stabist, and it's obviously Wolverine. You know, it's it's like this the 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 Samurai Jack version of Wolverine, but instead of the claws coming out of his hands, they come out of his head. So so he's got like the rhino. He's got to throw himself <laughs> at you head first, and that gets him into trouble. But the best part, there's a giant purple robot with a with a helmet crest and back jets. And a crimson waistband, and if you know your giant purple robots, you know who am I talking about. It's uh, designed to look like Tetsujin 28, mm. the the robot we know as Gigantor. Uh, I thought the first issue was so good. I mean, Suriano is really strong, really assured work. I mean, he's slapping the, the, the thick black inky lines down like a sumi e-brush i mean if you've seen the cartoon you know what you're going to expect here there are no thin lines in the samurai jack universe this stuff is freaking no pussy footing there's strong really confident mark making uh like i said the character design is really impeccable beautiful character designs and the color art the, 
it's amazing. Um, and like I said, there, it's, it's not, there's no second guessing or, or wishy washiness here at all. There's, he uses purples with like lime green highlights. That's, that's bold, man. Uh, the, the interior of the cave where Samurai Jack falls is, is like, um, blue-ish. And the light that penetrates it is like this pinkish purple. I mean, it's really like a smack in the face. It's strong color work. Uh, he uses dot pattern. Come on. You got me right there. There's, uh, spatter effects, moiré patterns. Uh, the, the landscape has a texture to it where then he'll, he'll, uh, counterpoint that with like flat color it's magn- it's so well done um I, w- I was completely enthralled with it and uh surprisingly so i shouldn't be though like once i knew suriano was on i'd be like all right this is gonna be good um but i gotta say keep it up it- it's a real joy to 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 read this comic there you go i'm wondering how the powerpuff girls one is did you did you read that one or, or see that no, at all i've seen not my scene. No, Mo- Mojo Jojo, really? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, uh, I, I it's good. It's good to hear that you like this because, um, you know, again, talk about writers that you know. I, I, I didn't. I so far, I so far have not connected with 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 Mr. Zub's writing. Um, it's smart. Really I, smart. I didn't like Skull Kickers at all. Um, hmm. I like the one it. he just did that was like the spinoff of Skull Kickers. I forget the name. Uh, of the that. Rat Queens or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, it's in a universe you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, the last page is really cool. There's a, a stormy kind of landscape and Samurai Jack is walking away and it, he, it's, it's a long shot. And up in the clouds, you see Aku. Like he's, his, his form is like blended into the storm clouds. It's really mm-hmm. neat. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. So yeah, if you, if you, if you were, uh, wondering if Samurai Jack number one is a, is a, is a good buy. I'm telling you, it is. If you like the cartoon, you'll love the comic. And if you never watched the cartoon, would it, so I'll explain to you. It, they explain it in four panels before the story even starts. Like the inside front cover, it's like it's it's the Samurai Jack primer. If you don't know Samurai Jack, this is all. This is what happened. Boom. That's cool. Yeah. Great stuff. Awesome. Yep. DC tried to publish uh, Samurai Jack, didn't they? I think there was a Sam- I think they did, yeah. there was a one shot uh, that came out of DC Samurai Jack, but it didn't really it didn't seem to, to to take root. So I hope this one does. Speaking of uh, speaking of DC, we haven't mentioned it yet. You guys have any uh, any thoughts on the uh, the move the <laughs> the worst kept secret in all of comics for like the last couple of years that DC was going to move to Burbank? Got any thoughts on it? I'm, why is that important? Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's important, but I think it's it's an interesting end of an era. Uh, yeah, I guess how, you're right. how, how I saw it. Yeah, but see, the bullpen was the end of an era, also. I mean, it, there, there's yeah. been there have been ends of it. It's yeah, it's it's going to be weird. DC is not going to be in New York anymore. That's that's kind of a big deal. Hmm. What do but, you mean? Eh. It's, it's, well, it's not, I, I don't know if that's, if it's a big, de- I mean, it obviously a, it's it, an end it, of an era, but. It'd be a bigger deal if Marvel wasn't in New York, cause I think Marvel's, no, I Marvel's I, always been tied to New York. Right, and their characters, I mean, whereas DC, it's all, they're all fictional locations, so it's, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think it's, it's 
news to a degree, but uh, based on the way the industry is going and and who's in charge of DC, I'm not surprised. And, do you think and, Marvel, do you think Marvel will follow suit and, and go out to California? I I uh, I want to say no because I still feel that the 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 comics are a, stop it are are a separate uh, a separate entity from from the rest of what. Marvel Entertainment is doing, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I, it's hey, no, just, I know. I, I it will be interesting to see if they stay there. You know, I, I I hope they do because you know it's comics. You know, the American comic book is very much a product of New York, and for for DC, you know, DC National, whatever you know, whatever you yeah. want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, for for them to be moving out of New York and. And uh, and going across the country, it's you know it's it's kind of like you know the Dodgers or the Giants moving, you know, in, in kind of a you know a weird you know a weird way. It's got to be, you know, I mean they're going obviously a lot of staffers are going to stay in New York. They're you know the the their offices will change a lot. I don't figure that everyone's going to follow them out there, but you know w- we knew for a long time that this was going to happen. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of think the days of of tagging companies to specific like geographic areas is gone i mean companies are scattered scattered across the world anymore you know aside from cupertino california and apple like i don't well yeah but all their manufacturing is in china right so you know what i mean you got guys working all across and with the internet to telecommunicating and and just yeah i mean the the days of you know I, i think newsarama had had um had written up on it about <coughs> excuse me uh the days when you an artist or writer would have a beef with an editor and so they would run across town and work for you know the other guys until things calmed down yeah. and back <laughs> and, those were know, the yeah. days yeah you know i think those days have been gone for a long time it what was it uh, uh when we had talked to to don glute way back and uh on on ac he he told us the story about going to a Marvel uh, party, and and it, I don't know if it was you know John Byrne or you know somebody was you know basically you know telling him it's like you know you know, stay in stay in California stay out in Hollywood because you know Marvel's offices are going to be moving out here, and that was that this was like pre bankruptcy and all of that, and I think that there mm. was. You know, I think there was a time in Marvel's history when they had seriously considered folding up the New York offices and moving out to California and, you know, for, for all the TV stuff and, and whatnot. So, you know, I, I don't know from, if Marvel will be in New York forever. You know, I, I hope they are. It, you know, just from a, a historic and traditional standpoint, you know, Marvel is New York. That is, that's where their stories take place. And, they move the the headquarters to California. It's I don't know why, but I would feel like it would ring kind of hollow whenever I would read, you know, Marvel comic that took place in New York. It's like, well, they're not New Yorkers anymore. How do they know? They, you know, they don't even know where the good bagel stands are anymore. You know, <laughs> so. And I'm a Midwesterner, and I feel like that. While we're on the subject of DC, mm-hmm. uh, I don't expect anyone to have read this. Uh, it just came out today. I didn't even read it myself, but I did uh, make sure to page through it a couple, 15, 
16 times. Uh, Sandman Overture. Did anybody see it? Oh, it's the no. new Sandman book. Uh, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not my thing, but go ahead. Oh, good. Uh, J.H. Williams, uh, I appreciated his work in the past. We've, we've certainly gushed over a lot of the stuff he's done. It's awesome. I don't think he's ever hit these kind of heights. Wow. That's strong words. Uh, one would think that illustrating Neil Gaiman's return to his signature character would be something of a, a crushing, uh, very, very scary, very, uh, performance anxiety inducing ordeal. You get none of that. The, the, uh, artwork is, oh, I, I was, I was pretty much speechless as I was going through it. There, there's a, uh, there's a spread in there with different Morpheus versions for different, I'm, I'm assuming different maybe universes or different incarnations of Mo- uh, Morpheus, and they're all illustrated in different styles. It's, oh, un- nice. it's unbelievably beautiful. Now, Dumb- if you're not all that familiar with the Sandman universe, is this uh, not something to bother with? The, it, when The first Sandman story, when it opens, Morpheus is held captive. Well, I read, you know, I've read, I've, I mean, I've read the first few. Cause okay, about, well, but. then this story tells how Morpheus got captured. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if you've read the first one or are familiar at least with the, the background of the character, this mm-hmm. would not be a stretch. Okay. I don't think. Like I said, I haven't read it. I just, I, I didn't need to read it. I just was looking at the art and holy, the, the, so cunningly crafted. The double page spreads are gorgeous. There, there's a there's a double page spread where the panels are the Corinthians' teeth. You see, that's neat. That's so cool. Every every panel is a tooth, and you can see the gums and everything. It's amazing. Uh, just so finely detailed and beautifully drawn. And there's painted art in there. There's brushwork. There's, 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 there's like pencil work and like fully rendered characters. Other characters are gesturally drawn. It's amazing. I'm telling you. If, it, yeah, you should really look, just seek it out. It's, it's, it, visually, it's stunning. I can't speak to the story because I didn't read it. Mm-hmm. Cool. I may, um, I may actually finally double dip on, uh, on the first death miniseries because for the next couple of days comicsology is having a 99 cent sale on all Neil Gaiman Sandman stuff. Oh, it's good. The the high cost Oh, I love it. Yeah, the high cost living was great. Yeah, it's really good. It's Bacalo. It is. Bacello. Buc- and, and Buckingham too, right? I believe so. Yes. So that was a great team. That was the Shade the Changing Man team, right? Mhm. For a time anyway. What's Chris got? Has everybody finished reading uh, Final Frontier? Oh yeah. <laughs> we talk- new Frontier, huh? New no, Frontier, not New Frontier, Final Frontier. Did you mean the the Sholy book we talked about last week? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I have Final Frontier. Damn it! I got confused. Why are you bugging me? Get out of here, my my boy. Get out it's of the here. boy. It's my dog, Vinny. actually. No, it's Vinny. my dog. See your dog, my cat. Nice. Damn Yorkie! Um, has everybody read it? Yeah. Did not finish it. No. I'm oh, sorry. David. I know. God damn it! I'll finish it next week for you, Vince. I read Infinity Number Five, but there's no talking about that. Um, have you guys read um, Planet of the Apes: Cataclysm? Yeah. Have we talked about it? 
the Cataclysm miniseries? I don't, or not miniseries, um, ongoing. I don't think uh, we've talked about it. Ongoing ish. I think it's going to be three. It's going to end up being three volumes, right? Um, no. Oh, just, we just lost somebody. Lose wood? Who the hell did we lose? We lost wood. That sucks, man. Um, no, Cataclysm, I think, ended at 12, didn't it? Yeah, I, I've got the first trade and, and read it, and I'm waiting for the, for the next two, um, to be done. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's Gabriel and, and Corinna. It's doing Planet of the Apes. It's everything that we've talked about with Planet of the Apes, uh, which, you know, damn, boom, did, you know, everything that they did for the apes in the, in the relaunch and, and everything with that series, multiple series is. Right. They did such a good job. They I gave mean, it they was, gave it a super honest shot, and and I thought the work was phenomenal. I mean, we've gushed over I the apes. They, they gave it more than more than a shot. They put out a lot of books. Man. Well, that's what I mean. They gave it an honest effort, but it just I don't understand how could Planet of the Apes not catch in the marketplace? I mean, the, the, Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's, anytime you do that, you've got it. You've got a a limited window that you're going to be able to work within, but man, they, how many it's, issues out of the out of the regular series did they get? Um, let's see. There was Exile. There was Betrayal. There was another they, they, miniseries. They then ended the up five five trades. So yeah, and then the main series uh, was yeah, main series. like sixteen, seventeen with the three or two. So I don't know the exact number, but they they published a decent amount of Planet of the Apes books. But what I'm saying is, I, I want them still. I I don't want to see this series go away. I, it was it was a, it was like a new you know a, a, a renaissance of Planet of the Apes stuff. And oh I, hell yeah! I, I I really enjoy those movies. It, it's first not, one is one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time. Of all time, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I never enjoyed Planet of the Apes more than I have with Boom's comics. They're okay. that good. That's fair. I enjoyed absolutely every one of them, and uh, so you know, get. Get the get the cataclysm as it as it comes out in trade. If you didn't read it in the singles, it's good stuff. It, yeah, I, it's really I liked it because it was closer to the. It was the closest to the movie timeline than any of the books. Yes. Yeah. yeah it was. It was just after, right? Uh, no. It was like what eight, six to eight months before uh, when it started. When Taylor got there, it definitely precedes Taylor. Okay. Yeah. It's because of the whole like destruction of the moon thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go, the destruction of the moon, which is really cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was awesome. But anyway, it's it, it's 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 a hoot. It, it is, is a hoot. I love them. Um, you sh- would do. I mean, I don't think Boom was originally supposed to repr- reprint the Marvel stuff, and that just never happened mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason but if you ever but if you ever get the opportunity to read uh terror on the planet of the apes it's uh-huh. it's amazing is it it's really good mike, mike plug mike plug uh, it, it's amazing yeah that's the one of the one of my all-time favorite series speaking of speaking of boom and this is i've not read it yet it's just been uh, a tip to me um wait no it's not boom it's, is it boom? What's the book? No. I'll tell you. It is. <laughs> I don't know if it's boom or image. Five ghosts. That's image. 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 Yes, I had that 
recommended to me, and it should have <laughs> Jesus should Christ. Arrive. <laughs> <laughs> we guys- talked about it last week. I did. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> did, did you not love it? He hasn't got it yet. It, no, it's, it's, it's on its way. Oh, dude, you, you are going to eat it right up. Yeah. Right. We, uh, we, we even have a, an intro from Messrs. Mooneyham and, uh, and, and I, uh, I was going to use it for this week. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. Appropriately enough, because it's Halloween, and I think that they were one of the only, they were the closest to horror. Well, I could use Vigil, Tim Vigil, and, and yeah. yeah, that would work. But anyway. Doesn't he thank, like, the dark arts and Satan and stuff in his intro to us? Uh, yes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Satan's got like. There was something else that Boom was putting out that, that I wanted to mention. Yeah, I can't I, I that. Yay! The Halloween thing came out today, didn't it? The Halloween thing. The Boom Adventure Time Halloween special. Kaboom. So. Didn't it come out? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Let's look at the clock on the wall because, uh, let's see where, oh. We got we got some time left, so we should launch into the In Your Travels, and then we'll go another hour. Should we? Well, Jason and I never discussed Rocket Girl. Were we going to go back to that? Oh, that's right. We should. Yeah, before it's uh, is that you know, how is that? I think it looks great. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's by uh, Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. Yes. Oh, I like Amy Reader stuff. Yes. Yeah. Originally yes. a uh, Kickstarter, and uh, and, and published now, now by Image. Now published, yeah, by Image. Um, it's. It's, 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 I, I don't know if I want to say unique. I, I like some of the ideas more in theory than in execution. I think that's uh, a fair way of putting it, yeah. I, I'm not real keen on, on the kid cops, especially a uh, little pre-pube mustache. <laughs> um, you made me laugh because my son has one of those now. Yeah. He does? He's got the little mustache, yeah. Hilarious. He's like, He's what, nine. 12? He's nine. Nine, Jesus. Yeah. Well, he's Italian, so. Yeah. Uh, my kids are half Italian, but they ain't got no stashes. <laughs> it's the bottom half. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, David. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I like the setting, because it's, it's New York, it's Times Square. I, I, no, I, I think there are, I, Damn it! What's the word I'm looking for? I think it has potential. That's what it. I, I I um I hope it does well because I want to I want to continue checking this world out. Cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that. Uh, I mean, visually, it really hits a home run because it's set in the '80s, and Amy Reader um, did meticulous research in as so far as there are scenes where. Uh, they're flying around Times Square, and she actually took billboards that were there in that year in 1984. She did research oh, uh, at the library. Yeah. To find out what, I love so, it already. Yeah, so, oh, it's, so it's meticulous in that regard, and it's got this wonderfully bright and 80s-style color palette. Yep. Just bright primary colors and neon colors and pastels. Like Just just they have a hell of a lot of fun with the color palette. Um, Amy Reader's got a really nice, clean style, which I think lends itself to this kind of book. Um but There's a lot think, of burn feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think though, David, you hit the nail on the head in just that um it, it, it definitely grabbed me, but I, I I have to reserve judgment on the quality of the overall story until we get more because I, I just um 
you know, you said it, the, the, the notion of these kid cops is cool. Like, like I, I get the idea of it, but I thought that the first issue did a fairly poor job of bridging the reason why the kids are cops and us believing that they have any ability to enforce the law. Cause they come across as just very, uh, uh, as they are, they come across as kids. And you just think to yourself, I guess as a parent of kids, I'm like, well, I don't know why on earth I would listen to these people over, you know, like adult cops. It just doesn't make much sense to me. So we need to see more of that. Right. But if you accept the, if you, if you go into this accepting that, that is just, uh, you know, a trope. If you just accept that that is the way it is in this world, then, uh, then yeah, it hit a, had a lot of high notes. It, it just was full of energy and a very, positive, uplifting, and, and action-packed first issues. So I, I give it a thumbs up. I just, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, an arc into it, it's going to be something that, that I'm, I'm into keeping up with or not, I can't say. But uh, it's probably a coin toss in that regard. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I dig it. And, and I think Reader is so far the, the star of the book. I mean, she's, Absolutely. she's uh, she, she looks great in it, for sure. Cool. Nice. Very neat. Hey, everybody, if you would do so, please visit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, because I'm telling you, you're not going to find comics cheaper anywhere else. Right, David? Right. If you're a first-time customer, EOC8 gets you an extra 8% off. You can select your shipping frequency. That's the awesomest part. You can get it weekly. You can get it monthly. You can get it bi-weekly. They don't care. They'll send it, you know to your door you won't have to move and you're going to get 35 to 75 percent off you so it's a no-brainer dcbservice.com this weekend i read a book that instantly made me think of our friend scotty young okay so i sent him a personal message on the twitter and I said, yo, Scotty, you gotta see this book, blah, 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 blah. And I went, I went on and on and on and on and on. And his reply was like, and please, I read that about a year ago. That is oh, awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I, try, I tried to get one up on Scotty and I couldn't do it. Awesome. Um, it's published by NBM, uh, slash comics lit. It is by someone called, and I'm gonna butcher it because my French, not so hot. It's by Renault Delay. I'm assuming D I L L I E S. Would that be delay? Renault delay. Good enough, right? It's, it's called Bubbles and Gondola. It's, uh, a magical graphic novel. That's what it says on the front. It's done in the Euro graphic album style, as is uh, a lot of NBM's output. It's the story of Charlie the Mouse. And Charlie's a writer. But he lives a kind of um, solitary life, a self-imposed exile. He's he's overjoyed that he can stay up as late as he wants and not, you know, bother anybody. He can practice on his guitar and not, you know, annoy people. He can listen to music when he feels like it. He can do whatever he wants when he wants because he has nobody else there. That's kind of the problem because Charlie is suffering writer's block. He can't compose a sentence to save his life. There's a pile of crumpled up, cast off, attempted uh, paragraphs next to his desk. And he starts to really fret that he's not going to be able to write. Um, and, and, and while he's going through this traumatic experience, he's visited by a bird named Solitude. 
And, and there's a, a question, uh, there's not a question, it, there's a constant question of whether or not this bird is real or not. Because uh, other characters in the story don't see him, but Charlie does. And it's about the ways uh, interacting with other, other human beings informs our artwork and our creation and the, the, the benefits of life experience. Uh, it's just a magnificent book. Uh, it's drawn kind of George Harriman meets um, Bobby London, the dude that did Dirty Duck. Mm-hmm. It's it's anthropomorphic animals, um, beautifully illustrated. Uh, it's pretty cheap too. I think it was only like seventeen bucks for an oversized hardcover. Nice. Yeah, it's a great little story, and you'll learn something from it. It's it's a heartwarming kind of thing. Is this from the Amazons, or where'd you get this? I got this from DCBS. Hmm. Yeah, it was solicited in the previews. Hmm. Yes. Yes, indeedy. I missed a sheet. Uh, but it's, it's a very important story, especially if you're a, a creative individual. You, you, you make things from your imagination. You need, you need life experience. You need interaction. And then when Charlie finally lets go, beautiful things happen. So, so, so read it. It's a, it's a great little book. Nice. Yep. Respect. Um, I will talk about this project a little bit more. No, next you don't. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about this project a little bit more next week. But um, Mike Kennedy is uh, an old buddy of mine that I met back whenever he was working at EA Games here in Chicago. And uh, back in the AC days, uh, we had he and a couple of the other folks from, from EA uh on that show to talk about comics and video games and and I got to know him um, through that and his work with uh, Carlos Meglia on uh, Superman Infinite was that the the name of the book I hope I got it right and uh, who was uh-huh. Infinite City Infinite City that's what it was yeah. and uh, and unfortunately um, Meglia has has left us mm-hmm. um, since then. But, uh, but Mike Kennedy continued to do work. He, uh, he did, um, uh, for Dark Horse, he wrote the Aeon Flux comics. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and did a lot of other stuff. Well, he was at, um, um, Archaea as the publisher. And I don't, I, after the buyout, I don't believe that he's at Archaea anymore, but uh, is working on other comic projects and has uh, a Kickstarter going on a book that uh, that he and several other people are working on called Super Ego, and I I pledged it. It looks great. It is uh, uh, it looks like it's uh, a, a dark comedy about uh, about superheroes and the. Uh, um, the therapist that helped them. Neat. <laughs> yeah, it it looks it looks dark and funny and twisted and like definitely like something that that is right up my alley. So I'm going to talk to Mike more about the project and get the get the skinny on it, and uh, and I will I will come back and talk more about it next week. But if you have a chance, uh, just uh, head on over to. Uh, Kickstarter and look up Super Ego, the comic, and, uh, and they've got the, the, the video, and it's anything that Mike, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that 
anything that Mike is going to be involved in is going to be quality, and he's not going to um, sell you on a bill of goods that he's not going to deliver on. So I'm pretty confident that this is going to be a, uh, a very worthwhile project, and uh, and I'm excited to see him uh, you know, kind of expanding his horizons and working on some projects that I that I know he'll be passionate about because he's one of he's one of my favorite people that I've met in comics and, and I hope that, uh, that what he's doing is going to be successful. So go check out super ego and I will, uh, I will talk a little bit more about it next week. You mentioned Carlos man, um, Meglia. Meglia. Do you know on whom he has had a profound influence? Well, I know Scotty. Umberto Ramos. Yes. Oh sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, absolutely. It, the, their art is very similar. I think they were friends, yeah. and yeah. but but um, uh, Carlos came first, and then mm-hmm. R- Ramos was like so enamored with his artwork that he just kind of like uh, patterned himself uh, as a successor to that. And it, you could you could see it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just very so striking. Sad. It's taken so you know so young, so before he should have. It yeah. was yeah, not uh, a great great artist. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was ridiculous. That, that infinite city is amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Mike would be the first one to tell you that 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 book was was art first and and his words second. <laughs> well, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it's a so great. He, I love he, it. he knew he knew when to let an artist come to the come to the fore and and kind of take over. Yeah. And uh, but no, Mike Mike's a very good writer in his uh, in his own right. So. Um, so check out Super Ego at uh, Kickstarter. Nice. Cool. Uh, okay, I'm checking things off here. We're going to talk about Velvet next week, I guess. And, oh, it was good. And I don't want to say anything about Battle of the Atom because Jason isn't ready yet. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say um, I read the first two parts because unless the third part came out to date and I haven't read it yet, uh, there's a little three-part story going on between um started off with uh the um all new x-men special number one mm-hmm. written by uh mike hosta and and beautifully illustrated by uh chris anka the second part which i read Doesn't last fall. week <laughs> uh, is, it continues in the Indestructible Hulk special number one, again written by Costa, this time art by, uh, Jake White. Basically, this is a story that, uh, involves the time-traveled first-class X-Men, um, the Superior Spider-Man, and the Indestructible Hulk, and a younger Dr. Octopus. So that's where Spider-Man's involvement is because he wants to find out why he doesn't remember this ever happening in the past. And um, with the X-Men being here, uh, maybe a a window has opened that allows other um, individuals from the past to come to the present because then the abomination shows up but it's all it's it's all cleverly written i'm glad that um that bendis doesn't have a, a stranglehold on the the original five x-men i mean granted you had um jason aaron write them a bit and brian wood in uh in the battle of the adam uh, your cousin uh the enemy of brandon graham writing them in uh in the Battle of the Atom event. 
but uh, I think Costa has a really good um, handle on these characters on the Superior Spider-Man character. And I, he may not be writing Banner or, or Hulk as well as maybe Wade is currently, but it's still it still definitely sounds like that character in in that because even even when you read Wade's Indestructible Hulk, that kind of doesn't really sound like the in my head doesn't sound like the same character in Jason Aaron's Avengers book. Um, but you'd still know who it is in in this. But it's it's a it's a three part story: the uh, Arms of the Octopus. Haven't read the third part yet, but. Um, if if you can check this out, do so. It, you don't need to know anything about any of the characters involved. It's it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It is. It is. Yeah. It's 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 the characters that you see in the X Men books right now. It's the current Hulk and and it's the current Spidey. So if if you're reading any of those, you might be reading this already. But I would still just to get something different featuring these characters. I, I'd give this a shot. And they want to get this out fast because. The collected edition was solicited in last month's previews. No shit. Yeah, okay. yeah. They're going to the oh, turn. Right? The turnaround on this is going to be lickety split because as the third part comes out, I bet you the month after the trade's going to come out. Okay. That's quick. Yeah, it is. That's it not is. DC, you know, trade publishing. That that's that's Marvel's <laughs> version of it. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. You're right. I like it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, just want to give a shout out to a book that we haven't talked about in a while, but. Uh, definitely deserves continued attention if you haven't already done so, and that is uh, Mind Management uh, nice. by Mr. Matkin. Uh, you know, I did talk about it some time ago. It continues to be fantastic, and it uh, it, it definitely is a, a, u- a unique book. There's not anything else on the stands like it, uh, either in style or for form. So I uh, just think he deserves propers. I know he's he's as we saw at New York Comic Con, he's getting more and more attention. Uh, as he's writing uh, more DC uh, and Marvel uh, stuff, but but I still think, uh, at least to date, far and away his uh, his crowning achievements is the stuff that he he does himself, lock, stock, and barrel, and uh, and this this is uh, off to a fantastic start, and I would begrudge anyone to uh, say otherwise. So just give it a try if you haven't already. There's a couple trades out of it now, and it's uh, it's definitely something you'll be hearing about in uh, about two months when we do our. Or uh, so. Oh, foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. Love it. I love it. Oh, and one other thing. Um, just a quick shout-out to our buddy, uh, fellow Jam Piece man, fellow New York Comic Con and C2E2 attendee, uh, Forumite and, uh, and pal of ours, uh, Christopher Stark, who's uh, having a shit week. And uh, just shout-out, yes. buddy. And, uh, we're, you know, we, we're thinking of you, and, you know, life, yep. life is good, and, and uh, all things will, will come around. Uh, so, you know, just keep your head up. Honestly, I will tell him, call me. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Aw. You guys are all right. I don't care what anybody says about you. You're all right. That's right, baby. It's true. All right, people. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, tune in same time, same channel next week, and we'll be waiting for you. We'll have very refreshing beverages um, available for you. So just join us because we love you so much, and we want you here. So schnizzle. And really, call David. Because oh. I'm, I'm tired of him. Tired of him calling me. No, you're not. In the middle of the night. You wish. You wish. How you doing? And I'm call Triple H and remind him that he was never the face of WWE. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> 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 he was. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Stephanie needs an ass.